everyone. I want to welcome you to tonight's Kingdom 202 class or show. Um, we're filling in for Pastor Monzine tonight. She's away for the week, learning really good stuff um, with our apostle, um, Dr. Baker. And tonight it is Hardaway and Kemp. And um, before we start, thank you. I know I hear myself. <laughs> Um, I'm going to repeat what I said. Uh, tonight, Pastor Monzine is away, and we're filling in for her. Um, Diana Cardaway and Crystal Kemp, which is myself. Um, Pastor Monzine is away this week, and she's learning a lot of great things. So is our apostle, Dr. Baker. And um, so we're here tonight, and we want to start off with prayer. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes. Father, we thank you for this evening. We thank you for selecting Don. Diana and myself to represent uh, the kingdom and represent um, our pastor for this show. I thank you, Holy Spirit, that we, we relax in you, we rest in you, because you know exactly what you want to bring forth tonight. You know exactly who will be listening, and even ourselves, Lord. Whatever you want to do, we're, we're, we're willing. So, Lord, I thank you for the show. I thank you for our pastor. For our apostle, we thank you for their safety. We thank you that they're learning all kind of good stuff, that they're enjoying their time away, that they're enjoying each other also as mother and daughter and as the apostle and pastor. And so I pray that all of us are excited to have them come back and to share with us what they received from you. And Lord, we just thank you for tonight. We thank you for your message. We thank you for... Um, the availability of Holy Spirit because the word says he will never leave us nor will he ever forsake us and that he leads us and he guides us into all truth. So thank you Lord. We praise you in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Alright. Hi everyone. So we're going to start off. Um, it's kind of like a Q&A. Kind of like a girl talk and it's like the, the whole setup is us sitting in the living room relaxing and talking as girlfriends. Cool. <laughs> and it's a time of um, one of the things was transparency and um, sharing. That's what it is. Go ahead and kick it off, Diana. <clears throat> well, okay, we don't have any bullet points. We don't have any notes. We don't have anything. Excuse me. I should have. <laughs> I forgot to take our gum, our gum, gum etiquette. So this is off the cuff and being led by the Spirit. So a lot of what we're going to be presenting is going to be very transparent about our lives, our journey, where we came from, where we came through, and how we ended up where we are today. And a lot of that has to come with being transparent because if you've got walls up and you don't want people to know who you were, you're never going to draw people into the kingdom. What people, okay, do I keep on going? Yeah. Right. <laughs> people are looking for real people. People are not looking for religion. They're not looking to be judged. They're not looking to be compared. They're looking for real people. And they want to be able to come into a place and have people identify who they are and how they're living. Because I was once in your shoes. I overcame through the, through the blood, through the power of Christ. And look at how things are for me today. So I think a lot of that circles back to being transparent because if we can't, if we're too ashamed to share 
who we are, how we live, what we've done, who we've done. <laughs> I'm just gonna be, I'm gonna be real. You know, sorry. All of us have a, have a past. And if we can't share our past with other people, how are people gonna be able to share their present with us? So that's just my, yeah, it's not bad, huh? Okay, well, I'm not going to give you a story because my stories are well, you have to get pretty colorful. But let me tell you something. One of the biggest issues, one of the biggest issues is that I've seen, that I've come across, and it, I'm not talking about people here in this ministry, but I'm talking about people in church in general. They have lived a life that was not of God. They come into the things of God, and then all of a sudden turn around and look at the world and sort of snub the people who are living a life they used to live. Now, if we come into Christ and we consider ourselves a new creation in Christ, yet we can still look at the other people and judge based on what we used to be, then we're not a new creation. That in and of itself is never going to draw the people because the people don't want to be judged on their past. We see a lot of that that's going on. I'm going to give you an example right now. President Trump, how many, okay, he's born again Christian. How many people talk about him being a born again Christian? No, they talk about him being a womanizer, about having kids with three different women, about having affairs with a lot of different women. That may have been the case. However, when he came into Christ, he became a new creation. And God remembers his sins no more. No more, exactly, as far as the East is from the West. So if God forgot his sins, why are we still judging the president based on what he did? Now, if we judge him, that gives other people the right to judge us on our past. We don't want to be judged. We want, we want God to forget our sins, but we don't want to forget somebody else's. That's true. That's huge. Now, how's that going to draw people? And not only that, um, I also noticed that um, he's judged on the way he's, he presents himself. Mm -hmm. Because he's not, um, he's not a politician, so he's not polished. So this is what I've noticed. Even some, I even caught myself looking at him like, why do you say that? You know? <laughs> I mean, this is really true. Um, but you have to remember, God knows why he's using a certain person. Yeah. And we're learning about, I mean, I just heard it on Sunday, and we all heard it on Sunday, about judging other people mm -hmm. um, that God has put into a position of leadership. I mean, judging anyone, because all of us are called to do something for the Lord, right? So, um, but I did notice that I actually... And this wasn't like in the last couple of weeks, but when I first started really getting used to our president is and start um, <clears throat> following him to see really what's going on because I'm hearing all this talk and all this hatred and all this, I don't like him. And so um, I started paying attention and then he would say a couple of things. And I was like, mm. <laughs> you know, I'm like, I don't, why do you say that? You know, but I realized that all of us are human. We all have flaws. We all have weaknesses. We have strengths. And maybe this is just not one of his strengths, right? So I, I had to 
because of the teaching we get here from our apostle, Dr. Baker, and also from our pastor, from our leadership, um, about praying for our president, finding out what God's heart is for him, or what God's heart is for anyone. You know, as soon as you get that judgment of somebody, you need to find out, okay, check yourself, number one. Lord, what is your heart for this person? So I can see them as you see them. And then that way, that judgment will go away because you you start praying for that person. You start, um, it's all it's as, as if, well, God does give you his heart for that person. And so you start wanting the best for them. You want them to succeed. So that old nature, which I believe that is still a part of all of us that we have to fight daily, um, you train it not to rise up because now you're going um, going before God before this person. So it cha it has a thing where it changes your heart. That's what I noticed about me. So I, I assume it's not just me. It's anyone that would that would dare to do it, right? So I noticed that. And I also, when I went to visit my mom in uh, North Carolina um, in, last year, I was in the workout um, gym with her her gym that she goes to, and this lady came in and she sat beside me in, in the other chair there, and they had these massage tables. I was laying back getting a massage, and then they have the television. So President Trump came on the television, and she says, I can't stand him. And I said, really? How come? She said, just because. <laughs> she didn't have a reason. She said, just because, and this is truly what happened. I said, well, I like him. I think he's doing really good things. You know, he's really doing things, good things for our country. He's getting us out of debt. And um, there's a, so many good things that he's doing. I don't understand why people say they don't like him. And she's like, well. And then it kind of left it at that. But I just, it's just weird to hear people, and not just there. I went to my sister's wedding, same thing there. Um, people have their opinion. But they can't tell me why they don't like like him or they'll say something like well he's a racist or but none of these signs that they say about him that they actually know firsthand yeah. so um, I just think that as you get to pray for that person or you get to follow ask God about the person um, you actually can be transparent before the Lord and then he shows you things and then the, the love of God grows in your heart for that person so you want to you know, you want to see them do better. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if I went off track there, but. No. <laughs> I don't know, maybe. But mm -hmm. I will tell you this. <clears throat> and even those of us who are in here, we base how we grew up and what we're comfortable with mm -hmm. is how we judge another person. So somebody like the president who's got coarse language, coarse ways, I personally, I think he's so funny. <laughs> I do too. I do too. But, but, but if if you, for those of you who don't know me, if you if you knew me, I have a different personality, so it's not smooth. So I completely identify with him. So what he says to me is funny. What he says to another person who grew up in a different household who was probably a little bit um, stricter in their ways, a little more proper, he may be coarse. So it's all in what we're used to, and that's how we judge a person. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, people would say, well, he's a typical New Yorker. We'll put him in New York, and everybody would be like, 
Yeah, so what? You know, so are we. But I think that's a lot of it. Um, there are other people that I've been around that I didn't grow up in the same environment. And so I don't understand, so I don't understand. So it's not really maybe so much a hatred as it is so much an understanding of their personality, their ways, their quirks, and the message that he's trying to come across, that, that's, that's trying to come across. Mm -hmm. And that's how people aren't able to process it the way they normally would, um, say, in their grandma's house. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does make sense. I think it's a combination of things, though. Mm -hmm. um, I also noticed, like, okay, I'm going back to my family because this is what I pull from. Um, I visited with my aunt while I was back east. I talked to her on the phone, and she just really doesn't like President Trump. And um, I asked her why, and the things that she says is because of his personality, this and that. But to me, I think he's more of a straightforward person and he tells the truth when we're, but like where I grew up in the city um, of Philadelphia, the politicians are more polished, but yet they're not truthful. Mm -hmm. So um, I think they're used to a certain type of person. And when you don't get that certain, that picture of that certain type of person, um, that normally presents something to you, and you get a different picture, then it, you know, they, you know, you feel like it's something wrong. But, but which is called politically correct. So you don't come right out and tell them the truth. You kind of dance around the truth. You, you polish it up. You, mm -hmm. you, you make it look shiny. You make it look glitter, and that's how you sell the people. And and Donald Trump is not like that. He's like straight from the hip, and people are like, whoa, it's not what we're used to back up a little bit and so that's what a lot of people find I believe what a lot of people that I've talked to because in my family whew, uh, you know they're they 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 represent a different party and so we go back and forth going back to your point mm -hmm. they can't tell me what it is that he's done that offends them other than they find him offensive. Well, in this house, we learn if you become offended, there's something wrong with us, not with, with the other person. So um, that's another thing that we have to work on. It's if somebody offends you, what is it? What is it in me that's that's so weak that I'm letting that person control my day, my mood, my personality? Mm -hmm. And it's also a thing of um, I find that it's also. A thing of deception because you may <clears throat> like someone because they're charismatic mm. and they're they say all the right things yet smooth talk they're not doing anything that is really good you know and um, I think that a lot of just from what I see from my speaking from my own family's you know point of view that we had, you know, President Barack Obama, who is, he was the first black president. And so everyone in my family was like, yeah, we got our first black president. Yeah, you know, okay. So then when all the great things, you know, all the rallying and stuff died down, really, what do we have? You know, what is it that, yeah, he was our first black president and he was, I, I actually liked him. I still do. Um, 
He can he speaks well. He does all these things, and he's likable. You want to like him. You do. You just want to like him. I mean, maybe not everyone, but I'm just saying from where I came from, you want to like him. But when you get down to the root and you start looking at really uh, researching what was done during his presidency yeah. and um, how the television plays him off, and then you really research what's happening, it's like almost like blinders come off your eyes if you really want it. Because some people don't want to hear it. They don't care. They don't care what he did. He was our first black president. He's the best one. He'll always be my president. <laughs> but he didn't do anything um, for, from the standpoint of actually helping in the community or helping uh, make your life better as an American citizen. So, but they don't see that. And you can never tell them anything different. Um, but I, because we get truth, you start, I started researching, I started listening to people speak, I started finding out really what, what, what is the root, what really, um, what did President Barack Obama do? What is President Trump doing? Why don't people like him? And I started researching for myself and I saw the difference. And I like President Trump. I think he is like the best president. Transparent. Not political. And that means that on either side, well, here's the thing. On either you, side. I'm on saying. either side. And, and, and this circles back around to being transparent because what you're going to get is truth. Mm -hmm. And that's called transparent. What you're going to, you know, what we used to get was a soft answer. Soft answer doesn't mean truth. Well, not only that, we got lies. Well, well we didn't go as far as to, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Me, what I meant is, when I say lies, with soft answer, I get it. But I'm, when I say lies, I'm saying that we have a person, no matter who they are, they come, they say, we're fighting for your rights. We're doing this for you. In reality, they may be saying that up front, but behind the scenes, mm -hmm. they're lighting their pockets with money, or they're doing, they're getting some kind of deal out of what they're doing. It's not really for you. But I didn't know that. When I started to see what um, the people that said, you know, Black Lives Matter, um, coming out for uh, even the, excuse me, the young men that were, you know, killed by police officers. When you start researching those cases, it's not what, it, it, it's not what the media portrays. It's a lie, it's like a cover-up. And it's just so blatant, but nobody researches it. And I don't say nobody, I should say the people that should, don't. So 13% will do the 13% will do the homework. We'll do the research. But I was just having a conversation mm -hmm. with somebody. And there are people who come into our path who are here to disrupt the status quo. And that's what all this is about. And so when you when you disrupt the status quo and you become transparent, people don't like it, people will challenge you, people will fight you, people will try to push you back in your corner because you're more comfortable operating in the dark because that's just the way it's always been. Mm -hmm. So now we've got somebody who's transparent, who, who bypasses the media, uses Twitter to directly contact with his, make contact with his people and he gives you truth bombs and I think they're pretty funny. 
to be honest with you. It's like, this is my kind of guy. They, they take you back because you're not used to that much um, directness from um, no. that station of office. Mm -mm. So you've had something all these years, and then all of a sudden you get like a, I'm going to say, a breath of fresh air or a wake-up call or like cold water pouring on you. You're like, what? Right? It just shocked you, right? It really does. <laughs> it's true. So, <clears throat> but um, just going back to being transparent, um, I know we're talking about the president and the things that have the issues of today, but also let's take that back a little. For, I mean, step back a little bit and talk about just people in general. Mm -hmm. You know, I think that I mean what I've seen is that <clears throat> there are people that want truth. There are some people out there that do. There's some people that um, want change in their life. They just don't know how to get it. So we have to be transparent people. So when somebody says, well, I'm going through this, and, you, and they're talking to you, and they're telling you stuff, and in your head, <laughs> you say, what? <laughs> you know that you need to check yourself. Mm -hmm. Because that human being, that person is hurting They've gone, they're telling you the real deal. They're like peeling their self before you. Um, and you cannot. I think that when that comes up, you have found where you are. You located yourself. You, you located a piece, or I could say to me, a spirit of religion about yourself in that area because you're not vulnerable to be able to hear where a person is hurt or see where a person is hurting because you just judged them based on what they said and you couldn't go, well, you know, you couldn't go there. So um, I think that uh, one of the things that Pastor Ronzine was saying on uh, Sunday about being transparent um, and being open and being real with a person, if somebody bears their self before you, have the heart of God, listen to what they're saying, help them through it without judging. Mm -hmm. So uh, I think that's a lot. I mean, I really thought about that um, throughout the week. <laughs> I didn't know what we were going to talk about tonight. But I, oh, we talked about a lot. Yes. <laughs> so, um, and I'm, I'm also looking at myself mainly because I, I mean, we, we go to a church where there, we have a lot of women in our church and I don't know how many I really know personally, which I think it should be, it shouldn't be that way. You know, we should have, um, and this is no fault of anyone. If anyone, it would be me because I'm not putting myself out there to get to know people outside of these four walls. You know, we, we it's just so, how can I say it? It's just put on my heart. It's like, I should know you, you're my sister, we work together, right? Mm -hmm. But if you needed something, I, I want to be able to say, you could come to me and say, hey, I need this, or I need to talk to you about that, you know? But if you don't really put yourself out there for people to get to know people, even if you work with them for years, and sometimes you don't even know that person. You only know them on that level. Oh, we're at church, or we're at work, and that's it. That's such... <clears throat> How can I say it? Like a surface level is no depth to, to the relationship. And I'm not saying you have to be that with everyone, but um, I believe that God is calling us to be that with one another because we need one another um, to walk in the kingdom. We do. We need that transparency because maybe you have a word for me or I have a word for you. And I 
in order for me to receive that, I, I mean, I got to know you. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Not just see you. So that's been on my heart. Tonight. <laughs> I mean, do you connect to that? or I do understand that. Well, you know, the other thing is to learn how to drop um, our pretense. Okay. Because we can we can walk we can walk in pretense. We don't want people to know how we used to live and we want people to see us who we are today. Yet the people who are coming in here, and I'm claiming that the people who are gonna come in here are gonna wanna know that we had the same struggles. We dealt with the same issues. We dealt with a lot of um but i really think it's more of a present thing not a past i mean yes we all had stuff we we have overcome. right but i think it's more of a present thing a day-to-day -day thing because we do we struggle day to day it's not just even in our past right even, and okay. they also want to know that even if we're in the church we still have struggles we still deal with things just coming into Christ is not enough. It's gonna, it's good. You're going to be challenged. You're going to be tested. You're going to be checked. You're going to be watched. But that's why it's called a walk because you continue to walk it out. You continue, continue. And yes, if you fall, you know what? Get right back up and keep walking. Mm -hmm. That's it. And it's it's just not the past. It's it's the present. And so if if we all band together and understand, look, this is what I'm dealing. Right now, it's like, no, don't judge. I'm here to help you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Because oh. it's, <laughs> yeah, because it is, <clears throat> excuse me, it is, I think it's um, a daily walk more so than a past walk because everyone has had a past. But how will are we with our current, with our everyday, with one another? You know what I'm saying? So to let the guard down, yeah, I am. A believer, but I'm struggling with this. Who am I going? Who do? I, who can I tell other than? And I'm not saying we don't go to our apostle. We don't go to our pastor. I'm not saying that. What I am saying though is that <clears throat> how many times do we go to our brother or sister to say, "I need a helping hand," or um, "I'm struggling with this. Will you pray with me? Will you partner with me? Um, will you come over for dinner? Um, come, let's hang out. I mean." Let's go to the movies. Let's, I mean, whatever it is, go roller skating. I like roller skating. <laughs> <laughs> Flashback, yeah. Oh, no. I like that. Um, whatever, because we are a family. We really are a family. But sometimes I think that, and I'm just, I'm just telling you, I'm going to point the finger at me. Me, 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 me. I can hibernate. I can hibernate. Yeah. <laughs> and I will only talk to you certain people in my little circle. And that's not what God called us to do. But I think we're all guilty of that. Yeah, that's we, why I'm calling it we, out. Yes, and this is good because we have a tendency to build cliques within within the church, within our work, within our you know social circles, within uh, our families. We tend to develop cliques. And that's not how God made us mm -hmm. to be. No, he made us to be all things to all women. Yeah. <laughs> and then well, man, but I changed it because there's all women. Because this is girl talk. All things to all women. That's true. Okay. We got one oh. here. <laughs> He's like, wait a minute. 
further I would leave you out. <laughs> but that's the truth. So, so you're calling it out. We break up the cliques. We come together as one. Mm -hmm. Because how do you how do you build strength if you've got all these little micro teams? You don't. Because you're, you're right. Micro teams. I just saw. I'm, it's so funny when you said that. I just saw these little circles, the little teams. I guess exercise it. I don't know. That's when we move in power. When the cliques break up and we come together as one. Then we grow. That's right. Yes. Because if we're if we're we're these little micro teams, mm -hmm. we're challenging one another. We may not think we're challenging one another, but we're not working together. So there's no strength. Yes. You come together, boom. Yes, I agree. Party. And not I mean not just church, but outside of the walls of the church. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Because you know what? Let's just be real. <laughs> Once we leave here, we all go to our separate lives, yeah. right? Right. That's what we're talking. Mm -hmm. And then it's like, what happens in the in, in the parking lot? See you Tuesday. See you Sunday. See you next week. Have a good week. And that's the end of that. Yep. And then we come in. We sit with the same people week after week after week. We never get to know one another. We never get to spend time with one another. We don't know each other. And how and, it, and we call ourselves a family? Mm. Well, we do that in my family too, though. But yes. Oh. <laughs> but it's that it's the habit. That's what I'm saying. It's, yeah. it's your. Um, how do I say this word? It's habits that we've created that we actually have to break through um, to be unified. Perfect. Is you know what I mean to really truly walk in unity. So I should, if I needed to, if I see you and I needed to, just wanted to say hi, I just want to say hi, how are you? And let's do this next week or, and actually do it. Or, mm -hmm. or someone else, you know, mm -hmm. or make an effort. Make the effort to come together. Because um, I don't know how long, I mean, I've been here a long, long time. Um, <laughs> but... I think that we'll put the charge out. Let's, you know, let us all have dinner together. Let's all do something together as a ladies thing. I don't think we've ever done that. I mean, maybe we have, but I don't recall it. There's strength so maybe, in unity. Yeah. Strength in unity. Yeah. There is. Yeah. And when we move in one accord, I, I believe we're going to bust through things that we've not been able to accomplish because we're not working together. So when we move together, we can accomplish together. That's right. And be really real. That's mm -hmm. right. Yeah. Not, not, oh, you know. <laughs> okay, share a story we with all us. Know. A story. Let me see. Well, what's fun on my heart is um, I, I was reading today, which I had never read before, is Roe versus Way, um, the first case on why they um, allow abortion to um, allow women to have abortions in their, I believe it was the first and second trimester, no, first and second months or something like that. My page. I'm like, what? <laughs> I wasn't looking for it. And so I started to read about it, and it was about a woman who had already, she had children, but um, she didn't think she could afford to have a, she didn't want to have another one. And so she um, got a lawyer, and because she want, they wouldn't. She lived in Texas, and they did not allow abortions in Texas. 
And um, so um, she got a lawyer and she, you know, went to court. I was thinking about this, how that happened so, I don't know, how, when was it, back in? Um, 73. 73? Okay. In 1973. In 1973. And now we're in 2020. And um, in some states, you can have an abortion all the way up to the, right before the baby is about to be delivered. So that's a full term. That's a baby. That's right. And it, I just thought, oh, God. You know, um, I can remember, I thought about my life, <clears throat> and I thought, wow, I understand the young girl that doesn't see a way out. I do. But because they're in darkness, they don't understand. They have a way out. Um, and I also thought about after I came into the kingdom, I was faced with a situation um, where to have to get a get an abortion, and immediately I just matter of fact she didn't even come to me. I said to her, I looked at her, and I I just saw this glow, and I knew it was annoying. And I said, Oh my God, you're pregnant! And she said, No, I'm not. <laughs> And no. I said, I don't know how I knew. I just looked at you, and that's what came out of my mouth. And she said, well, will you take me to get an abortion? And I had just really give, given the Lord my life at that time. And I, and I said, um, you know what? <laughs> it must be meant for you to be here at this time. I said, because probably a couple of months ago, if you would have came here and asked me that question, I would have taken you. I said, but today, I can't do it. I said, I cannot do it. I said, um, I gave the Lord my heart, my whole heart, and I know that this is a sin. It's wrong, you know, to, to have an abortion. And I said, whatever you need, I'm here. But this baby has a purpose, and I know it, because otherwise you would have showed up on my step two months or three months ago, and we would be on our way. And so she had the baby. The baby is now 18 wow. and beautiful. Oh she named her, uh, her name means destiny. And um, I just think about like the situations God, I don't know if he puts you in them, but when you come into, come into those situations, the things that he gives you for someone else. Mm -hmm. And now um, just the, the fact about how this ministry we pray for those that um, the unborn we fight for the unborn and God has put that on our heart to intercede but I also see um, th that intercession needs to be made for the mother because she's in a broken place she's in a place of, of she doesn't see a way out you know she maybe she knows God maybe she or maybe she knows the name and doesn't know him know him but she doesn't know that she can go to him for help, you know? So that was one of the things that was um, on my mind. It's like, Lord, what more can we do? What more can we do? I know we can pray, and that is powerful because that will shut the enemy down. But there are young women out there that uh, are a target for the enemy, and he wants to snatch the destiny of these children and um, 
So I don't know why that came out, but it came out. I know why, because I have a really good story. Okay, good. <laughs> Thank you, Holy Spirit. And this one's about me. Okay. Um, I have a daughter. I was a pregnant teen. I was a very, uh, a very thin, raily kind of teen. So you couldn't tell I was pregnant if I wore a t-shirt. Um, I don't know, should I say? Yeah, I'm gonna say my age. I was 16. Um, I grew up in a household where you didn't ask about sex, you didn't talk about drugs, you didn't talk about anything because the mindset in the house that I grew up in is if you don't talk about it, the kids won't do it. Well, um, yeah. <laughs> I got pregnant at 16. That was a myth, huh? That was a myth. <laughs> By the time it was discovered that I was pregnant, I was five and a half months along. And um, I was so scared of my mom, so I never said anything. And so my sister was the one that told my mom. Well, my mom took me to the doctor to get an abortion. And I was, I didn't have a voice. I did what my, what my parents told me to do. Well, almost everything I got. <laughs> Maybe not everything, because I did get pregnant, but whatever. But I, I followed the direction. So we went to, I don't know if it was planned, it must have been Planned Parenthood at the time. This was many, many years ago and they said, Oh no, she's too far along. We can't do an abortion. You're gonna to have to take her to a hospital in, um, I hope I don't cry and I always do, in Oakland. And you're gonna to have to induce her and she will deliver. And this is, pr oh gosh, I know this is why you talked about it. So now I have to share my story. <laughs> but it's a good story in the end. So don't, don't go away. Um, so that I, so my mom took me, it was to Highland Hospital and they, they did a, they did a, um, um, a sonogram and they said, okay, yes, we can do this. This is how, this is how it's going to work. We're going to induce you. Um, we're going to inject you with saline solution. I remember this so clearly, like it was yesterday. And it's going to burn the baby, and the baby's going to start moving violently, but we're also going to induce you, so you're going to have to deliver after the baby dies. Oh and I remember just laying there, and I just could not speak, which I later learned was, you know, a spirit that I had to deal with. And I remember my mom standing next to me and we're watching the screen and the babies, which is my daughter, her name is Stephanie, is she's just moving around, just moving around. And something touched my mom in that room and she said, we can't do it. And I remember th I was just <laughs> such a relief. It was such a relief and she said, we can't do it. And I, and I remember I got up off the hospital bed. We drove home from Oakland to San Jose. 
and we told my dad and my dad said okay we're just going to do Praise what we God. need to do but my mom was so touched after hearing the story of what was going to happen and how this baby was going to be killed so we fast forward many many years down the line my daughter i serve the lord my daughter serves the lord her daughter serves the lord so back then there was divine intervention that God knew I can't let this bloodline end right here. There is a higher purpose and there's a higher calling for these girls and the people that are going to come through them. So back to abortion, never, ever underestimate what God has planned for you because what seemed to me at the age of 16 to be a dead-end road actually opened up this amazing journey and the people that have been touched um, through the family bloodline in you know with regard to my granddaughter with regard to my daughter with regard to you know where I am mm -hmm. it, it has been far-reaching so for anybody who's even considering doing away with a, a child understand there's a there's a plan and there's a purpose for every single baby so really 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 give it some thought before you make any kind of decision because what seems bleak today god can take and make very beautiful and that's a personal story and mm -hmm. let me tell you something um <laughs> the uh my daughter, who's, well, I won't tell her because you'll know how old I am, but she's, she's older. But my granddaughter, she's seven. She goes to her school, and she prays for the kids on the, on the playground. She prays for her teacher who has a headache. So this is a seven-year-old child. All of this could have been stopped years ago had we gone through with the original plan. But see, but God. Yeah. Let me tell you something that happened on my, I'm going to say it, 50th birthday. I was talking to my mother, and um, she said, you know, when you were in my stomach, because my mother was six, uh, 16 when she had my brother and 18 when she had me, she, she said, I got pregnant with you, and I was like, I'm going to have an abortion. I did not want to have two kids not married, right? She didn't, and then, well, sorry, let me stop, let me go back. She was 16, she had to marry my father, because back then, it was not okay to be um, pregnant without, you know, being with the father of the child. So, they had to get married, but she, they didn't love each other. <laughs> they didn't even like each other. But she got pregnant with me, so I guess they must have liked each other sometime. <laughs> <laughs> She said that in the early stage of her pregnancy, she was just like, they were already, you know, ending the relationship, and she wanted an abortion. And she said one day she was doing something, and she said the Lord spoke to her, and she, he said, I have a purpose for that baby. Don't do it. Oh, and I said, and this, my mother had never told me this for years. I'm like, what? Mom, you never told me this. What? Because she said, I, she says, I don't know why I'm telling you now, but 
that's what the Lord told me. That's why you're here. So, you know, God is just amazing. Yes, he is. He is amazing. I mean, that really shook me. I was like, whoa. Okay, Lord. Happy birthday. Thank you. Yeah, I, I was really, you know, shaken up by that. But I don't know, maybe we have some young girls that are coming into our ministry. And maybe they're going to be in that situation. But this is the place to come because... Um, we love God, and God definitely has a plan for your you and for your baby. Mm-hmm. So, just as Diane was saying, um, don't think that there's no way out because there is. And that baby is maybe you didn't plan it, but that baby has purpose, or would never have become a, a I want to say not a seed, but a, a, a embryo in your belly. Those two things would have never met up. So, oh, that's good. That's good. Oh, here's a good time. Here's a good point to take questions. Any questions? Oh, it's a good time to take questions. Sure. Oh. Any yeah. questions? That's about. <laughs> Here we go, Judge Connie. <laughs> so each of you have um, given a testimony about. Uh, something that happens to uh, a lot of women mm-hmm. and and both of you have had a, a beautiful outcome yes um, from it um, what uh, what would you say to women who have made um, another decision okay um, a, a decision to go ahead and go through with um, the abortion how how do you see us receiving them? Okay. Well, um, I can definitely answer this question because I was such a woman. Um, mm-hmm. But I didn't know the story that my mother told me. You know, I didn't know. I was, I think I left my house, my mother's house when I was 18, and I did not care for my stepfather. So I was like, um, as soon as I graduate, I'm out of here. Um, and that's exactly what I did. Um, and <clears throat> I got pregnant um, more than once, actually. And I decided, because I didn't, even though I was brought up in the church, I didn't know Jesus. I just knew the name. I had no relationship, no, it had, I was, I guess, dead in that area. There was no connection. All I knew is I'm out here having fun and um, I don't want to be tied down. This is not the, I mean, I didn't know my mother um, had gotten pregnant when she was younger. All I knew is that she had the kids. That's, you know, that's all I knew because I was here and my brother was here. <laughs> and uh, I saw the life of, because when I, after I moved out, I moved to Philly, moved back to Philly. And a lot of the young girls there, to me, they would get pregnant, get on welfare, and never go anywhere. And I always thought, I'm never, that's never going to happen to me. And this is what I thought in my head, right? In the back of my head. And um, and they would have more babies. They would have, I'm saying one had five. I mean, these are people that I knew that I, I before I moved away, that we were really close to, our families were close. And it was just the way it was. And um, 
I did, I, the, my first pregnancy, I did, I did get pregnant. I had a little girl, her name is Amira. Um, she's alive today. Um, and she was born handicapped. And so once I moved to, I actually moved to California um, because my aunt had a business here and I thought, okay, this is an opportunity for me to come here and learn how to work in an office and that way I can provide for my daughter. And then at the same time, we found out that she was born with some, um, with a mental disability, I mean, physical disability also. Um, and so they had a special program at Stanford Hospital. So I came here for her, for that program, and then I ended up staying. That's a whole nother story. But <laughs> once I got here, um, I was 21, and um, I finally got an apartment of my own, sort of, with my, two with my sister and my cousin. And um, they were always going out. I was home with, the, with my daughter. Um, I made a decision uh, early that I would um, basically, sh I put her in a home because she had a lot of physical disability. And I, I began, I got depressed. Uh, once I did that, I was even more depressed because now I felt guilty. All this stuff, you know, was over my head. But I could go out and I could hide all that depression under going out partying and having fun, so I thought. Um, but I got pregnant and I was young and I knew I already had a kid and I'm like, I don't have one no more. That, this is my head. I did not see it as wrong. I did not. Mm -hmm. um, so it became a way for me to like, if I had to do that, then that's what I did. I maybe felt something, but I don't remember feeling it. So I was numb. So I can understand uh, I, from a young woman's perspective as she has, because really the only thing that changed my heart is once I really get, accepted Jesus into my life and when I gave him my life. And then he began to teach me. He changed my heart. Because before then, to me, I didn't see it as wrong. I saw it as, this is my choice, this is what I have to do, and this is what I'm doing. So, um, I knew how to, I would definitely know how to sympathize and understand from that perspective. And I could never judge a person for that because, hey, look at me, so was I, same as me. But I'm thankful that even after, and I, I mean, I had several abortions, after that I could still have children, yeah. Because some people, some women have abortions and they can never have children again. Right. Or they're really, I, I guess I came from some good stock. <laughs> because it never affected me that way. Um, not to say there weren't some other uh, effects because, of course, all that stuff was hidden. And it, it was, um, how can I say, there were uh, hurts that were in my heart. But I didn't know that until God began to heal me. And then once he did it, God does everything perfect, you know? So I didn't have to walk around feeling ashamed at all because he forgave me. That's beautiful, your testimony about how he changed your heart. Mm -hmm. And uh, what do you think about the, um, the things that we hear from the women that um, are talking like it is, their right mm -hmm. to make decisions about their bodies. 
and well, that that's become, I think that's even part, maybe part of the platform of the Democratic Party. I'm not sure about that. It is, so because they say it's their reproductive right. It is part of their platform. Yes, mm -hmm. yes, they're talking about that. So mm -hmm. can you address that from? Sure, I'm from here. <laughs> well, um, from that perspective, um, I probably thought the same way. Um, but the thing is this, is once you begin to see, I don't know, it took God to change my heart. But also, because it took God to change my heart, I believe he would give me the words to speak to someone else in that situation. That's right. Because I know where they are. I know what they come through. I know how a part of you can be so callous and so, um, you don't see it as callous. You see it as your right. You know what I'm saying? Um, but yeah. you're in that situation where you feel like nobody can tell you what to do with your body. So I believe that um, I could be able to witness to someone or talk to someone because I was the same way. So um, I don't know the exact words at this moment, but I know the Holy Spirit would definitely give them to me <laughs> if, it, if I was in that situation, no. So I do understand if there's anyone out there that um, may feel that way because I do feel like um, that's where our prayers come in because people, um, it's a hard, your heart can be hard in some places where they don't see, they're blinded to truth, you know? And it takes us to intercede and pray for them so that um, the Holy Spirit can get, so God can get in and they can hear it. They can hear that inkling of truth, that little thing of truth can turn them around. So, yeah, without judgment. It's like, look, I've been there, I understand. But let me tell you about something better, you know? So that would be, I believe, my approach. Uh, to talk to someone that um, maybe feels that way. Yeah. Can I ask? Sure. Absolutely. I forgot. Oh, it was a kid. There's another one up here sitting up here. <laughs> Please do. Okay. <laughs> I would, okay, having had an abortion myself, um, back then it seemed normal mm -hmm. because I operated with a hardened heart because I was living under deception and because I was operating through hurts when you are a broken person yourself mm -hmm. you make you come you come a little further down the line and you come into Christ and you look back and you think man that was a broken person mm -hmm. so Having been in that situation, I would never judge because I know who I was, I know who I am today, and I would be able to empathize with the person knowing that they are deceived. They're, they're making the, the decision based on who, what they know and how they feel and what their life looks like today. Mm -hmm. Because I did that. Mm -hmm. I made my decisions based on my circumstances, mm -hmm. not knowing that there was a God who would open up doors that I couldn't open. Mm -hmm. So until you come into that place, all you do is rely on self. And if self doesn't look like you can do it, you make the easy way out. And I think what it is is an easy way out for a lot of women. And so, that's right. Mm -hmm. yeah, it's, it's, uh, cause it was an easy way out for me. Yeah. It was for me as well. Mm -hmm. 
but it's it's a what seems like an easy way out is the deception because there are the consequences. Exactly. It, 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 and um, we fall into the trap of the enemy because he makes it like, don't worry about it. You, that's right. You don't even have to pay for it. Mm -hmm. Come, on. Come on. Look at that. How's that for deception? Look, it's free, ladies. Mm -hmm. Can't afford a baby, no problem. We'll kill it for you for free. That's part of the deception. Yeah. Sorry, that sounded pretty raw, but you know what? The devil's pretty raw and he's in but it's the truth. It is the truth, straight up. So that's part of the deception for it. Mm -hmm. And also, um, mm -mm. you know what I thought about? Uh, Dr. Baker said something about if you let the devil ride, he's going to want to drive. And he's going to... Yeah. And so that true. is really what I, uh, what I see about a lot of um, the issues that we pray about. It's like this thing started so small. Okay, first it started with this woman... What, what the, I'm sure they were having illegal abortions beforehand, right? However, it started with this case, and when did it start? It started in the first trimester, the first couple of mm -hmm. months. Now it moved all the way up to full term. Yeah. So it's like, which is legal in seven states, by the way. Legal today in seven states. You have a comment from the um, online okay. as well. Can we add it? Yes. He, so this is from Frederick, and he said, please add, and it can be an easy way out for men too. I know I paid for an abortion. There you that's go. That's a very good point. Yeah. Wow, that is a great point. So we're, we're talking, that's an excellent point, because we're talking about it from the women's point of view, but then there's a responsibility that men are expected to take on, even though they were just as irresponsible as women, but they are mm -hmm. hooked into this. One other thing I just want to add is that I've seen, I'll say, I don't know about in the church, but in Christendom, that a lot of women that have had abortions take on this guilt as though they should have known better. And they make an excuse like, well, you know, I, um, I almost, almost out of, of shame, like, well, I should have known better because now I'm a believer. But something that we should make a, a, a distinction about for people that are watching, because we are the church, right? And whether I've had an abortion or not, I have the mind of Christ and the heart of God to be able to have compassion and empathy for someone who's gone through, abortion, through an abortion. Mm -hmm. And God will give that to me for that person if I'm the person that he wants for them to speak to me or anybody else mm -hmm. who decides to have his heart, right? So people need to also know that when they come into the church and also become the church, there is no shame in God. You were at that point, the world, the Bible says that they're blinded. When you're in the world, you don't have that recognition of what's right and what's wrong as far as God's exactly. concerned, right? Yeah. We're, when we're in darkness, we're in darkness. We're blind. So how would we know? But a lot of what I hear, I'll just say in the church and in Christendom, is people still dealing with guilt and shame because of what they did even after becoming a believer. So I believe that what you both shared is really important. Um, because it's obvious that God has freed you. Mm -hmm. And as long as you are really truthful with yourself about the fact that I didn't know what I was doing back then, I was blind. I was, I, I was exactly. ignorant, right, mm -hmm. of, of the devil's devices because I was riding with him. But once I came into Christ, <laughs> then, the, then God, said, God showed me, you, you know, you were responsible, which I'm not holding you responsible for what you did back then. That's all washed away. It's forgiven. So when you come into Christ, people need to know watching that is washed away when you receive yes, the forgiveness That's of Jesus right. and you, you walk in, you receive his salvation. So mm -hmm. 
I really thank both of you for being so transparent and sharing that. And um, I think it's really important for thank where you. we are today. It's really thank powerful. You. Thank you, thank you. I agree. And um, this is, um, that's Nicole. She's out in our audience. Um, <laughs> but what she was saying, I want to just oh, reiterate because it's very true. If there's anyone out there <clears throat> that's living in shame or guilt, <clears throat> excuse me, because you've had an abortion, no more. You don't have to be there anymore. Mm -hmm. That you, that God has already forgiven you of that. When you were doing that, you didn't know. You were doing what you knew to do. That was it. You, you thought in your mind there was no other choice or you thought whatever you thought. It doesn't matter. It's before Christ. And even if you have not received Christ, this is your moment. You can. And he will forgive you of everything you did in your past. It's all washed away in the word. It says it, the sin is like as far as the east is from the west. He, will, he sees it no more. And you don't have to walk in it anymore. It's just a decision. I'm done. God forgave me. You can hold your head up and walk on. That's it. <laughs> and live free. So how's our time? Are we good on time? Contact us at astoundinglove.org. Okay. No, I will do that. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> if anyone has any questions at all, you can definitely contact us at contact us at astoundinglove.org. Just send us an email. You can give us a call at 408 495 Again, that is 408-945-4439. Please, we would love to hear from you. And we are Oh, we are Astounding Love Church, a global church fellowship. <laughs> I'm getting my cues over here. <laughs> You're getting your cues from New York out of time. <laughs> and we just want to thank you guys for tuning in. Um, we thank you for um, just listening. And if this has touched you in any way, please feel free. Go to our website at www www.astoundinglove.org and there's a little button called donate click on that button and feel free to give into the ministry feel free to contact us um, <clears throat> as I said at contact us at astoundinglove.org or give us a call <clears throat> at 408-945-4439 I've got to okay uh, this just dropped and if you are touched by our testimonies and you're struggling with a pregnancy right a d decision right now or you know somebody who is at that point where they're on the fence and they don't know what what decision to make call the ministry crystal will talk to you I will talk to you I will pray with you Chris that we're talking about it's not just cells or whatever you know people are trying to sell you this right. is it this is a human life that we're dealing with so please call call and I'm going to say 408-945-4439 um, we would love to be able to pray with you and pray for you and talk with you you don't know the blessing that you're carrying oh boy that is God has a purpose mm -hmm. because we didn't have a script tonight but we just flow with what Holy Spirit wanted us to say so don't delay. Give us a call. <laughs> <laughs> All right.
So we're gonna um, we're gonna close out now, and um, we're gonna uh, do our tithing offering and gifts. And if you would like to donate again, please contact us or go to our website at www.astoundinglove.org and click the donate button. Thank you so much and have a blessed day. Good night. Good night.